There's another squad attacking. Welcome to the third party, an Apex Legends podcast hosted by myself, Shay, and joined as always by my co-host, Henry. Henry, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. I am so, 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 so excited for this topic. That's a lot of so's. I've been waiting a long time for this. It's been on the books and um, we have a lot to say. This episode is sponsored by Here.fm and today we are taking the deep dive into the game-changing new mode, Arenas. This is going to be our part one guide focusing on the legends. Next week, we're going to have part two discussing maps, weapons, and strategies. We think it's going to be a really fun way for you guys to get a ton of arenas information. Before we do any of that, though, make sure you join our Discord community to chat Apex, the third party, and find squad mates. Links in the description for that. And follow us on Twitch at Third Party Pod. We're streaming Mondays and Wednesdays, 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. PST. Would love for you to come say hi on our journey to partner. Also have to give a major thank you uh, to all the amazing patrons who have together grown to over 130 members and over $1,000 per month. As a special reward for your support, anyone that joins the Patreon now not only gets access to the bonus episodes, hangouts, gaming sessions, and more, but you'll also get access to our updated studio tour and your name added to a rolling ticker on stream for our subathon June 5th. Yes, that is right. You heard correctly. We're hosting a subathon. We're going to be celebrating one month on Twitch, one year on Patreon, and during the subathon, we're just going to keep streaming for five minutes per subscription, whether it's Prime, Tier 1, Gifted, anything. Could be a long one based off some of our previous streams. If you join our Patreon before, then we'll have your name majestically displayed on stream as the prime force behind getting us going on Twitch in the first place. You guys are a huge reason for it. Anything else? I'm excited. It should be a major event. It's going to be really awesome. Uh, before we dive into news, though, uh, we got to shout out our Jump Masters and Above on the podcast, which is one of the many benefits uh, they're entitled to. First off, the Jump Masters, Alex, Amond, Brian, Coco FPS, G, Gen XD, Isaiah, Joshua, Justin, King Arts, Mike, Akmain, Paul, Sam, Savich, Sweet, X Pooks. Next are Masters, Atlas Forged, Otto, Bo, Kyle, Jake, Jeffrey, Joe, Just Quill, Lee, Paul, Papa Smoke, Shade, and Spicy the Chef. And last but not least, our amazing Predators, Chaza Fitz, Corey Dez, Jesse Hunters, King K, King Crail, Sammy Boy, and Topaz Wombat. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you all for your support. With that, though, let's dive into the news. First piece of news, Arena's Flash event is live. Uh, participate in the event, complete challenges, earn points, and in turn, you're going to be getting some Apex packs and skins. Awesome to see prize trackers dedicated specifically towards arenas. Yeah, I'm really excited about this kind of continuing because mm-hmm. I think they're quite easy to achieve. They are. Like yeah. this morning I was playing, I got like almost halfway through the prize tracker and they're pretty cool skins. Yeah, they're nothing to scoff at. We got Bloodhound and uh, not I almost said Bangalore Watson uh, this first time around. So some good skins for some great legends. Next piece of news, we had a hot patch come out on 524.21 uh, with a couple of important changes. Restored the slow effect when players run into Watson fences, which was a problem people were facing. 
We had some Valk changes, added an endpoint input delay between ult activation and cancellation to hopefully uh, stop people from accidentally double tapping that one. Yeah. Fixed the firing range exploit for Valk as well. But now the fun stuff. We got some arenas changes. An abandonment penalty has been added to the game. It's going to be structured similarly to the ranked BR. You only get the penalty if you're in a full squad when you leave. I hope you haven't abandoned anybody so you can't talk about how it feels. No, I haven't, but I think this is a great direction. I think definitely this is for a big benefit to the arena's game health. I think it is definitely a lot less fun when you don't have a full team. And on either side, it sucks when an enemy drops out or when a teammate drops out. So I think this is definitely a good move. And it's leading the way for uh, even bigger things. No doubt about it. Next, we had hop-up upgrades for the bow check bow. Uh, Shatter caps was added to level two. Kind of interesting. Fun little change there. And then last but not least, what everyone's been begging for, we had some loot adjustments. They adjust the loot logic for items being spawned on the grounds versus in loot bins, uh, which is essentially supposed to fix the backpack problem people have been facing uh, for the start of the season while additionally increasing in spawn rate level 2 evo armor. Really great changes. You know, I think that there was a lot of concern around the loot health this season in the BR. Mm -hmm. I didn't necessarily feel it as hard as others, but I also spent the majority of my time in arenas. So I, I welcome this change. It's great. Hopefully I'll continue to have great loot. Uh, throughout the BR. Yeah, common backpacks will be great. It was pretty funny like having to find them in loot bins because we always recommend not always looting loot bins as the high priority items. So I was definitely running into some issues with that. Uh, So super excited to not uh, experience that anymore. Next piece of news coming from at Apex Legends News on Twitter. The total prize pool for the ALGS championship has crossed the $2 million line. That's double. That's awesome. Are you excited for ALGS? Pretty awesome. I think that is a major, major statement for Apex in general. I think the competitive scene is incredibly fun to watch. And so this is great that it's just more, more incentive for a high degree of competition. 100%. Next, we have ranked arenas will not be using the same system as BR ranked. And Respawn supposedly wants to release ranked arenas as soon as they can. You know, we're going to be talking all about arenas today, but I know you and I are both absolutely ecstatic looking forward to ranked arenas. Super interested in kind of seeing what the RP system ends up becoming. Yeah, I think there's a lot of speculation right now about how it'll be based on wins exclusively Mm -hmm. and potentially uh, bonuses for uh, the shortest matches you can have. Yeah. So you get more points if you're able to just wipe in three rather than if it goes all the way to nine. I think this is going to be awesome. I really don't think they can screw it up. I think that a ranked arenas is going to be fun no matter what, and I'm certainly going to be playing it. I'm so excited for it. And then next piece of news, quote from game director on cross progression. We want to do it and we're working on it. Once I have information about a release date, we certainly won't hold the information back because we know how important it is to our community. Dude, now we're just begging for it at this point because yeah. we switched to pc super excited it's something that they've been working on for a long time but always nice to hear that you know there's still attention being focused there right now doesn't seem like an easy thing to do by any means though i'd love it 
It would really make my life better. Last piece of news, EA tweeted out, get ready for the ALGS championships. Make sure your Twitch account is linked to your EA account and that you know how to claim your latest drops. Essentially, more ALGS Twitch drops incoming, double the prize pool for the championships. It's going to be an awesome, awesome competitive session of Apex Legends. We recommend everyone uh, take the time to go watch some. Yeah, and definitely link your Twitch account because they're mm-hmm. pretty cool benefits and a lot of people uh, certainly enjoy them. So don't miss out. With that, though, let's dive into the main topic of the day, the ultimate arena's guide for success from the third party podcast. Man, this is one we've been uh, talking about doing since it obviously came out. And we I think we took the time. We took the time to make yeah. sure this was as prepared as possible. We thought about giving you guys something like as quick as possible. Uh, with the drop of the season in general but we feel like now we've played it enough where we can really come at you with some expert opinions weeks and weeks of preparation Um, but essentially to kind of begin our story lay the foundation arenas is a highly competitive action-packed 3v3 version of apex Mm -hmm. it's exactly what the game needed it is astonishing that it now has it like this is Doing exactly what we thought it was going to do in terms of catapulting Apex's amazing gunplay, movement, and legends into a faster-paced game. It's really, really awesome to see, and I really enjoy it. It's so fun. I'm having such a blast with it. It's a a lot faster pace than even I was expecting like between rounds like we've been talking about how it's kind of hard to stream arenas sometimes because there's no downtime but overall that fast moving pace just makes this game mode so fun so we're going to kind of we have a good structure I think for how we're going to break this down we're going to start with the legends I do want to preface before we do that uh we're not going to be like explaining hey the replicators hold uh or the crafting stations hold 200 material or that like what the, here's what the scoring system is. We kind of did that deep dive last yeah. time uh, on just kind of the overall structure. So now we're going to be talking more, I think, overarching themes, kind of some more holistic views and then getting into some strategies. So just if you are still kind of confused on what arenas is, go listen back to, I believe, either the first or second episode of this season for kind of an in-depth guide on what arenas is as a whole. And now to kick it off with legends, arenas is much, much different than the battle royale in terms of abilities and legends, because they don't have traditional cooldowns, but are purchased instead. So that means you can have an ultimate at the beginning of your fight. Um, and so that really changes, you know, how legends are played and how the game flows because you're not, you know, waiting for ultimates necessarily as you may in the BR where you're kind of avoiding fights or using ultimate accelerants. That's not in arenas. So abilities are much different. And by the end of this episode, I think we'll come to a decision whether or not abilities are stronger or less strong mm-hmm. in arenas because I think it's definitely up in the air. But To start off looking at legends, we're going to look at strong ability legends. And this one is maybe subjective, maybe not, because Mm -hmm. a lot of different legends fit into this. But what we're saying as a strong ability legend likely means they have a very powerful passive ability 
that is either combat oriented, mobility oriented, or just very versatile mm-hmm. in terms of being able to, you know, potentially play for materials, potentially conceal reses, all sorts of stuff. But we're going to start off with my main this season, mm-hmm. Valkyrie. Um, I think she's a really strong ability legend because she has the VTOL jets, jetpack, and the missile barrage tactical is pretty dang powerful. You start off with one every single round, and it's only 200 for the tactical, mm-hmm. which is a lot. But 200 for the for the bang that you get, I think that's worth the buck. It's She's great. She's definitely in that strong ability category. That barrage is a very, very good ability for a tactical in general, even in BRs though. Uh, but now in arenas, being able to get the stun effect when just a little difference can really make the difference in a fight, that's very effective. And the VTOL jets speak for themselves. They are just quick repositioning all the time. There's tons of utility in it. She's very powerful uh, in arenas. Just the thing about the jetpack is that you're able to do what so many other mobility legends can do for free. Mm-hmm. And you may be slower. You may not be, you know, able to do as crazy as stuff or do it um, in the same way as others. But the bottom line is you're doing it for free and you can do it a lot. Mm-hmm. So you may not have the quality, but you have a massive amount of quantity for free. It's a really good deal and a, a really strong legend ability. Next, we have Gibraltar as a strong ability legend. The gun shield speaks for itself. I think in a, in a 3v3, it's a very valuable thing to be able to have that extra 50 hit points in order to really lead a charge or uh, finish out a 1v1. That's really a strength of Gibraltar. And then the dome shield uh, may not necessarily speak for itself, but I'll speak for it. Um, <laughs> it's incredibly versatile. You know, bubble fights are something that we hear about a lot. You can use it offensively to close the gap. You can use it to retreat. You can use it to cover supply bins or materials. Um, it's an incredible ability. And you can also use it to pull off kind of a, a sketchy res. So yes. it's a really, really powerful ability. You start with one every round. And like Valk, this strong ability costs 200 for the tactical. Yeah, being able to force these bubble fights uh, is huge in arenas because you will end up in this close quarter situation a lot of time if you're playing an intense game towards the end of the rounds you explained the dome very well the gun shield oh my goodness we'll talk about strategies later in the show one of them is going to be longer range and peeking and poking fights and nobody does it better than gibby because of that gun shield pretty much it's it's hard to hard to challenge that Next, we have Lifeline, and she's put into this strong abilities category solely based off her passives. The auto heal or auto res and the supply bin passive, being able to get the extra cells, um, really put her in a strong ability vein just by themselves. Um, I think a lot of people were not expecting her auto res without a shield to be as strong as it was. We certainly had confidence in it from Mm -hmm. the very beginning. but the truth is, a lifeline is extremely solid, and this is certainly one of the most effective tactics in arenas. Anything that can recover you from getting somebody knocked is just, it's a room for error. And no, it's not 100%. If it was 100%, she'd be the most broken character we've ever witnessed in the video game. But the fact that you even yeah. have a chance, like Lifeline's a great legend, I think, to play with randoms in arenas, potentially, where oh, you somebody might have made a mistake because you weren't able to communicate with them. 
Next, we have Bangalore. Um, we've been fans for a long time of Double Time as a passive. In a 3v3, uh, it's even stronger. It's so mm-hmm. powerful to be able to have that extra speed in close quarters, in gunfights. It's really, really strong. And you have that coupled with two smokes for free mm-hmm. at the beginning of each round, and they're only 50 a pop. You can do a lot with smokes, and there's a lot of different strategies that you can go into, but getting a digital threat and using smokes offensively is a killer strategy in arenas where Mm -hmm. you can make Bangalore an incredibly offensive threat, but also reposition, recover, res, Mm -hmm. conceal meds. Um, She's really, really versatile and definitely a strong ability set just with the passive and the free tacticals. Yeah, definitely make sure you're using a high level of communication with Bangalore for those smokes, though. It is one of the few abilities that can disrupt your teammates if used incorrectly. And so there is kind of some skill added into that when to use it. And so just make sure she's one of these legends where if you are on mics or playing with someone who's used to playing with a Bangalore, you're going to get a much greater advantage than if you're kind of sending them out willy nilly uh, and in a way, potentially hurting your team in certain situations. Excellent point. Always important to mention. And the flip side to the Bangalore coin is Bloodhound. Their tactical is no joke in Mm -hmm. a game mode like this. Being able to have the scans, you only start with one. They're 150 each, which I think is quite fair. But being able to reveal where enemies are is really nice. What's nicer is being able to identify solos. Mm-hmm. And if you can turn a 3v3 into a 3v2, huge advantage. You're winning mm-hmm. pretty much. So, Bloodhound's one tactical can be the difference mm-hmm. between winning around and not. And that makes their kit very strong. Yeah. You can't ABS like we always recommend just because limited number and you got to buy them, unfortunately. So there is a little bit more thought that has to be put into practice with Bloodhound than I think we might be used to in the past. Uh, So make sure you are communicating with the squad and make sure that when you scan, you're making sure it's that right time and not just like, hey, I'm scanning. But even if I identify where someone is, we won't be able to do anything about it because of the position I'm in. So make sure you're in those powers full spots on the map and just ready to strike as a squad for uh, using those scans to ping out those solos like you're mentioning i definitely think the bloodhound in arenas is much more offensive and aggressive than maybe in the br because yeah you're exactly right you got to make those scans count Mm -hmm. and execute really quickly so certainly true next we have a category of legends that it's just speed Mm -hmm. and the reason that this is so valuable in arenas is because you want to be able to secure those supply bins, secure the bats, Mm -hmm. secure the bag, secure the bats. Easy. goes hand in hand. It just goes hand in hand. And speed in Apex in general is obviously a very valuable asset in terms of closing the gap, getting high ground, you know, being able to control combat through visibility. Mm -hmm. Speed is key. Um, And that definitely transfers over to arenas. Here, the first one we have is Pathfinder. Might be obvious, uh, but that grapple, you start off with three of them, Mm -hmm. which is very healthy. Um, They're 50 materials each. This is the fastest way to get to a supply bin, fastest way to get up to high ground. It has versatility in that you can close the gap faster than anybody else with that precision or high skill required. 
Yeah, Pathfinder, it, it needs to be said, and we're going to say it a lot on this pod, honestly. He is a top-tier legend in general, and we really like him in arenas as well. It is one of the hardest abilities in the game to master to the degree to which he will become that top-tier, incredibly effective legend in arenas. Could be the fastest you know, person to go get to those meds, but could also scuff the grapple and then you've wasted a tactical and you're not actually close to the meds also so yeah very difficult in comparison to some of these other legends but if you are a longtime pathfinder main this is going to really suit you from a mode standpoint certainly it's definitely something to practice and refine because a really good pathfinder is going to be dominant in arenas just Mm -hmm. because the versatility short range long range mobility is next level you just have to be an aerial acrobat in order to really pull it off. And Mm -hmm. just like you said, if you don't hit the grapple just right, or you do, but you find yourself in trouble, you could be on a 25-second cooldown. Other mobility legends have a lot more flexibility. So it's that high risk, high reward with Pathy. Mm -hmm. Next, we have Octane, the Stim. You also start with three. It's also 50 materials. You are weakening yourself when you're using it. And Mm -hmm. arenas, I think that is a lot riskier than in the BR because you're kind of in closer proximity all the time. Um, it's more there's more of an opportunity for you to get jumped when you weren't yeah, expecting it's scary. it, kind of. It's there's, scary. There's fear involved. I think that Octane is really, really fast in terms of securing materials and closing the gap when needed. The strafing speed and 1v1s with Octane, just like in the BR, that carries over to mm-hmm. be very valuable. Um, but kind of like Pathfinder, there is a risk. A little bit easier, a little straightforward, maybe consistent, but in a 3v3, I personally think it's a little scary to stim twice. Yeah. And if, if you can't do that, you don't really match up with other mobility legends. If you are playing Octane main and arenas, there's a lot of really important things you can do, but with the season change and this mode, you will be thinking more than you ever have about when to stim. And that's something that can actually as well create an advantage for you yeah. if you're playing against other Octanes who are maybe not uh, using it to the highest degree of uh, skill that you could. The Octane's still on this list as a powerful speed mm-hmm. legend. Um, you just have to, you know, y- use some caution. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yes, use um, caution. Next, in terms of mobility, uh, not the most popular legend in the game, but Loba, that tactical. Third party favorite. She's a favorite, mm-hmm. you know, Shay main to her for a minute. And that tactical, burglar's best friend, you start with two, little less than Path and Octane. Mm-hmm. But why I love it is it is so consistent. It is so safe. And its speed is truly astonishing. Well, Loba is, hey, here's what I'm going to do with Pathfinder but at a much more consistent and reliable basis for people that are new to the game. And so Mm -hmm. if you are messing up those Pathfinder grapples and you want to fulfill the role of grabbing the meds at the beginning of the game for your team, Loba, you're going to be able to do it a bit more consistently. There's not as much flexibility with the ability itself, but Loba is still so productive at getting those meds and getting out and knowing that you're going to be able to do it each and every time. I can say that through my own playing as Loba, I can consistently on both arenas map get to the supply bin and loot it before the other team even gets to their 
material station. Mm -hmm. So the speed is just insane. And the fact that you can kind of point and shoot and move fluidly throughout the entire process just makes her so, so good in Mm -hmm. terms of speed. Then last on the, the speed list, Valk is making another appearance. That free passive, you can get batteries consistently. You can go to the supply bin. I do it. I enjoy it. It works. Mm -hmm. And the added benefit is maybe you're not going as fast as Loba or Octanus Pathfinder, but you have the getaway. You have Mm -hmm. the reposition. You can kind of burst. You can get out of there. And sometimes, you know, with Loba, you're not getting getting out of a tricky spot fast. Mm -mm. You know, you're going to have to wait for that, that bracelet to fall. And Pathfinder could be on a 20-ish second mm-hmm. cooldown. Mm-hmm. Valk, it's not going to be the case if you're, you know, just rushing straight to the supply bin, getting what you need to do, mm-hmm. getting out. I think that she definitely has some speed built into that passive. Sure, her passive is awesome for overall speed and just in combat utility as well. She's freaking fast and fantastic. So great on these maps, which we'll talk about later, that just have opportunities for quick maneuverability in tight spaces. Next, we have Legends with incredibly powerful ultimates. And this is an interesting category slash section um, in that we see a lot of versatility. Mm -hmm. The first one being Loba making another appearance. She's got speed and she has a powerful ultimate. That black market boutique, it's only 200 materials. That's as much as other Legends tacticals. Mm -hmm. So incredibly cheap. This thing is not bad at all. It has a massive range. You can put it across the map and be able to get a supply bin far, far away. Mm -hmm. Using this black market in order to safely secure care package weapons is a viable strategy and can be a very valuable ultimate. Well, if you just think about it from a cost perspective, it costs you 200 to get, right? Obviously, that's cheaper than any of the weapons you're going to be grabbing. Yeah. But if you just think about it from grabbing meds, like that's, you know, 300 in bats, you know, not including the grabbing of a med or a Phoenix kit also, plus your teammates being able to get in there as well. So there's a lot of financial sense from a, you know, econ standpoint for Loba's ult, uh, Yes, there's some trade-offs as well. It gives your position away. You're kind of vulnerable, you know, while you're looting it potentially if you can't place it correctly. And just depending on the flow of combat, you might not have the time. And that's why I don't think it's like everyone's running Loba and just like it's a race to like click and grab in the menus. But if used correctly, it can still be a very, very effective ultimate from a cost perspective. It's also important to mention that not every round is even going long enough for the care package to be viable. Mm-hmm. So you could completely avoid Loba and never play her in arenas and be very, very successful. She's yes. not necessary, but her play style is rewarded, mm-hmm. which we obviously love to see because it's really nice to have diverse options. And I can say that I've played a solid amount of Loba in arenas and had great success. So I think that ultimate does have value. The next incredible ultimate is Bloodhound themselves with beast mode 350 materials for this bad boy mm-hmm. you got high mobility and intel those scans that, that's what it's about with that bloodhound ult. it's mental to be able to keep providing your team with an insane amount of information in combat you are just gonna have an immeasurable advantage over the opposing team and that's something yeah. that yes 300 and 
50 is expensive. Like it is, that's costly. That That's going to be a significant portion of your money. The benefit very much makes up for it. You get the benefit of being a octane strafing, fast in combat, and then you get the benefit of helping your team. And so if you're a very like uh, team oriented person, I don't know if there's a better uh, character than Bloodhound for you in arenas. I think that their ultimate is quite interesting because you can only purchase it every two rounds. It's so interesting how they structured uh, which it. Which is the only one that is that mm-hmm. exact uh, like measurement. But, yes, it's expensive. But I would argue that it's the most impactful ultimate in arenas. Easily. Um, not only because you have the mobility and the intel and you're seeing red and you just are juiced up, but you're getting a free tactical. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's 150 for a tactical, it's 350 for the ultimate. So you're essentially getting, you know, almost you a free tactical worth. plus. Mm-hmm. So it's like if you're playing Bloodhound, we recommend budgeting for that ultimate. Mm-hmm. And that might mean different things in terms of mastering cheaper weapons, playing the care package, rushing really quickly and just mm-hmm. popping the ult, getting in people's face. Um but I definitely think it's a powerful ultimate. Next up, maybe not on everybody's list, but Mirage. Their ultimate, party time, mm-hmm. 350 as well. Creating that close quarters chaos in arenas is incredibly powerful and just cannot be understated. Yeah, it, it's so fun. Like Mirage's ability uh is difficult to use in that if you are not using it correctly, you know, when they see you, you're going to be vulnerable. Listen to the Mastering the Legends on Mirage for some tips if you want to try out the strategy. But the opportunity to not only create that chaos like you're mentioning, but also provide information for your team with those bamboozles uh, yeah. is a very, very valuable ability. This is one of those ones where I think you're going to have to get used to what maps you like to use this uh, ultimate on and pay for it on. Because it might not be as effective in our like very wide open, long range maps uh, in comparison to the others. But in a certain situation, very effective. Takes a little bit of skill, but those decoys do bamboozle. Those footsteps, don't they do it. Don't listen to anybody mm-hmm. else. Like They are very strong. So don't overlook our boy Mirage. Last powerful ultimate, Gibraltar. That bombardment. It's one of the most expensive. Uh, It's the most expensive powerful ultimate in our eyes at 500. You can only purchase it every three rounds. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk more about Gibraltar later, but this is a round winning ultimate that is incredibly effective. In the BR, I think it's less effective because there's more variables going on. There's a lot more high ground. There's buildings. Um, People are using abilities to counter this. In the controlled environment of arenas where people don't have their Watson ultimate. Mm-hmm. They don't have multiple bubbles. They can't get out of there because they haven't paid for the mobility. That Gibraltar bombardment hits so much harder in arenas than it does in the BR. Yeah, it's awesome. The fact that in a closed environment like this, you get to control such a large portion in relation to kind of what a BR is from an escapability. It's so great. I really like it. It's been overwhelming at times. And worst case scenario is you're forcing other people to use their abilities before they wanted to to escape or you know protect themselves if you're playing against yep. like an opposing Gibby or Watson, whatever. Absolutely. Next, we're going to mention the more inconsistent ultimates. And I do want to provide a little bit of a caveat here. 
We do not mean to offend here. No, no, no. If these are your mains, if you enjoy these ultimates, you're correct. I agree with you. Mm-hmm. I enjoy playing all of these legends. But when we were doing our assessment and we were doing our play testing for this episode, these ultimates just weren't quite delivering where we may expect them to. And they just weren't cons- as consistent as the ultimates that we deemed to be very powerful. Mm-hmm. First one's Lifeline's Care Package. It's at 400 materials. A lot of people like it. It is kind of economical, Mm -hmm. but we decided that it wasn't quite a powerful ultimate just because it takes so much time to call in. That delay on putting this ult down, because a lot of people want to come out of the starting point and then drop it down and wait for it. And that puts your team in a three on two because they kind of need to go establish priority. That's what arenas is about, establishing your position. And if, you know, someone sees that a lifeline pack's coming in and they're like, oh, wait, a lifeline's back there probably waiting for that pack. Let's push this real aggressive right here. Yeah. You could be end up putting your team in a pretty, pretty poor situation. And then if you try to use it later, sometimes rounds don't even go long enough for you to kind of justify spending the money on buying it. And if you're not going to drop the care package right away, you're going to wait till you get the positioning first. You're right on top of the supply bin. So yeah. you already have the batteries. It's not as necessary. And the random blue weapon just isn't quite worth it. Instead, we recommend if your lifeline, take that money and put it into a battery and a gold bag every single time. No doubt. If you're playing lifeline gold bag every time. Pretty easy decision, mm-hmm. to be honest. Next, Caustic's Nox Grenade, 300 materials. A little underwhelming. You know, it's hard to decide when to actually throw it and what the payoff is going to be nowadays with the damage it doesn't pack enough of a punch it's the ability in general right now i don't think this is an arena specific uh change i think that we're talking about right now caustic's in an interesting spot he's going to come up on our next episode when we talk about some interesting news i think that he's one of these guys we're going to have to monitor a change here or there could really change maybe how he's uh, perceived in arena specifically but i think you'll see a strong correlation between the Annoyance of Caustic and BR and the annoyance of Caustic and Arenas just from the nature yeah. of his ability. Yeah. Similar to the Nox Grenade, the Black Hole by Horizon, 100 materials more, not 400. Mm-hmm. You can only unlock it every three rounds. I was struggling to allow it to really flourish. Like, I was getting kills with it. Mm-hmm. I was even using it in one-on-one situations in order to just make sure that I won. Mm-hmm. But it's so difficult to tell when do you use this ultimate because in a late game, yes, you're going to use it, but games don't always go until the ring shrinks. Mm-hmm. And so you, a lot of times I felt myself using it early and not really capitalizing on it because I wasn't close enough. And so if this ultimate is most effective when you're already up in people's faces. Mm-hmm. It's so much of a risk to pull it out and deploy it effectively that the payoff doesn't outweigh the times that you get PK'd because you're doing it too close where it's most effective. And there's other strategies with it as well where you use it, you combo with nades and other mm-hmm. abilities that just require such a high level of coordination and then only being able to do it every three rounds. It's a tough thing to yeah. put out there as a strong reason for playing and picking the legend in this mode and yeah it gets pretty expensive if you say you need two grenades and then your teammates need nades also yeah Yeah. that makes it more expensive than a gibraltar ultimate 
and likely less versatile. So it's a tough one that didn't quite make it to the top of our power list. Another one, kind of in the same vein, is Fuse's mother load at the same price of four hundred. Um, Needs some work. Not <laughs> consistent enough. Ideally, like in your head, theoretically, it makes a ton of sense. Mm-hmm. You're in a small very controlled 3v3 you have eyes on the enemy pretty much the whole time you can place this it's a ring it makes sense on paper i can't deploy it effectively we don't want to be a dead horse it's the ui doesn't it's not friendly for arenas you it wants you to launch it very far away if you launch it across the map then you're not getting the you know the purpose of the ability it's not being effective and just in comparison to other legends and abilities uh falls short as he does right now in BR as well. Unfortunately, we hope Fusey gets some love here soon, though. Lastly, my girl Sheila <laughs> with Rampart. Uh, 300 materials. I want this to be so good. Yeah. Like, I wanted this to be on the powerful list so badly. But, but the fact dude. that you can only get it every three rounds, mm-hmm. I think is an unnecessary, like, restriction. Mm-hmm. I really do. I don't think that it would dominate the game too much if that was reduced to maybe every two but it's just not quite there i have gotten knocks with it i have won rounds with it but you're impairing your mobility Mm -hmm. the amped covers in this game mode are very valuable i definitely think that they're nice but if the opposing team is using a wingman or a bow you do not have amped cover Mm -hmm. like it just you won't be able to use it at all and you need the amped cover in order to deploy the sheila to any degree mm-hmm. and this would also be a super frustrating meta so I'm, absolutely i'm pretty cool with sheila not being like super dominant in arenas like people were fearing because if every team was running an lmg and you were getting sprayed every game by an lmg that's one of those frustrating abilities that we've talked about that uh can ruin the experience for people and so i think that she still has some effectiveness which we might talk about later uh but right now that Alt as it is right now is not in the dominant space that I think just everyone dreams yeah. a turret's going to be. And it's tough to put a turret as a very powerful thing just because in order for her to deploy a 300 material ultimate, she's exposing herself to nades. Yep. And that's just too high of a price to pay. Last, we can't not mention these, but we made a separate category for high-cost, high-variability ultimates. They're tough. We can can say them together. I think like Revenant Death Totem at 600 and the Crypto EMP at 600. Um, Yes, incredible potential. I have been killed in arenas by Revolts and I have been killed in arenas by Crypto Ults and the EMP. The thing is, the consistency is hard. The cost of 600 is absolutely massive and the level of team coordination required to pull off both of these abilities is astonishing and just such a hard consistent thing to if you're trying to count on it as a big piece of your puzzle you're going to run into not a very high success rate maybe if you are like real in tune all together with your squad play with the same people every day you figure out the best way to be effective with like an RE45 or a Mozambique at low cost with like crypto or rev. Maybe there's something there, 
But that is so many variables and the cost is so high, it's hard for us to come out here and be like, hey, we recommend you run crypto rev, octane and just bounce on people and arenas. It's so difficult. It can be very overwhelming when it happens to you. But I haven't lost a whole lot of games to these strategies. I have lost rounds, Mm -hmm. but I'm trying to go for dubs. Mm -hmm. And it's just too hard with both of these legends and their ultimates specifically. It's painful to have your drone shot down mm-hmm. when you spend 600 for the ultimate. Yeah. It's painful to, you know, spend all that money on the death totem and then get fried one at a time. Yep. So it's so, it's high variability and the high costs just mean it's not a safe investment. No, no. Next, have to mention the mobility ultimates, jump pad, zipline portal, and Valk's redeploy. These can be nice for early mobility, but they require, again, that team coordination, which, although we hope that you have because mm-hmm. you're friendly in our Discord and you're finding players of your skill level, but we have to assume that you're not all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, this fact desperately calls for the drum roll, <laughs> ultimate ping. You need to be able to ping, I want to use my ultimate. I have my ultimate. Mm-hmm. Because that's going to make it so much easier to coordinate with randoms and deploy a zipline in order to get that quick high ground as a team right away or throw that jump pad in order to push that early knock. So you need those pings. We don't have them. These ultimates aren't quite the highest tier because it's just so hard to communicate. Yeah, well said. Um, There's some ways to be effective with these. I've seen the jump pad as probably the one that people are finding the most uses for in BRs. These ones are also hard though because where you're going to use them and how you're going to use them very much dictated by the map and is going to change uh, match to match. And so it's just not something that's working its way into a consistent part of our game plan and our strategy right now. Last kind of mention about ultimates and we'll circle back uh, to overall legends, but the truth about most ults is that If it's more than 400 materials, it's too expensive. You'd typically rather buy weapons, batteries, grenades, than splurge on an ultimate, unless it's really one of those powerful ultimates that we, you know, talked about. Mm -hmm. So it's tough. That's kind of a big pill to swallow. But in a game where it's so weapon focused and the ultimates are designed not to be, you know, a driving force of the game, they're not something that. I really buy very often. Mm -hmm. And there's so many controls and arenas to not allow you to purchase them every round, make them way too expensive so you can't even get a second weapon Mm -hmm. if you want to use them. So that's the truth. It's a little bit of a pill, but I think that we can capitalize on that, knowing that information. It's for the best. I think a lot of people were concerned arenas was going to turn just into an Overwatch style gameplay of, oh, let's throw all our ultimates and abilities out there. This has been a great way to balance it, make it really focus on the gunplay, uh, and they've done so very effectively. Before we dive into legend hitboxes and team compositions, here's a word from our sponsor, Here.fm. We just had a blast hanging out with some members of our community, playing games, watching videos, and collecting all the Apex gifts. Next week, we're going to be playing poker on Here.fm during our Patreon live hangout Sunday, May 30th. The lowest tier gets you access to this. It's a great time. 
Here.fm is a super easy to use streaming and video chat platform with a ton of creative and engaging features. While on Here.fm, you can insert GIFs and stickers, stream YouTube videos, play games, and even create drawings with your friends right on the screen. All the elements on screen are movable and customizable, so if you wanted to have a room that looks like King's Canyon or Mirage's Paradise Lounge, you can. Creating a room is simple and easy. All it takes is a Google Chrome web browser and you can grab custom URLs just for your personalized rooms. You can use here to hang out with friends, meet with study groups, create more interactive, collaborative meetings, and chat with your fellow gamers in a much more visual way. Hitbox. There it's was some, important. Mm-hmm. It's crazy stuff because there was some macro data that was reported by the lead game designer placing Watson as the highest arena's win rate, likely for one reason. It, for one reason. The fences are broken. Like, <laughs> Yeah, they didn't work. Mm-hmm. So her tactical didn't work. She has pretty much a tied hitbox size with Lifeline mm-hmm. as the smallest. So Watson, Lifeline, and Wraith are valuable options considering the fact that Watson has the highest win rate right now, according to the macro data. So you have to weigh that in on your legend decision mm-hmm. in a gun-focused arenas 3v3. If the mode requires you to be pristine in gunplay and not so much count on your abilities, it makes a lot of sense then. Let's be the smallest person we can. The difference between winning and losing might not be that I grappled away. It might be that I was a little smaller and they missed two or three extra shots than they uh, would have on most other legends. So now talking about some team compositions um, and the building blocks for a solid team, I think you can pull from a lot of the categories that we laid out. Mm -hmm. You have the strong passives, Valkyrie, Bangalore, Gibraltar, Lifeline. You have the positioning legends or the economy legends, Valk, Loba, Pathfinder, Lifeline as well can pull in some of that into the recipe and then finally those round winner ults the bloodhound the mirage the gibraltar this is just a sample but those are some ingredients that you can put in there Mm -hmm. in order to have some calculated success and with legends in general if you've got someone that you are very good with and they're your main and you've spent time and time again the abilities aren't such a huge function in this mode right now at least in our opinions like yes they are impactful but they're not everything and you, as someone confident in your main, can make it work if you want to be someone else or play kind of a funky team comp here and there. We've played so many arenas games and gotten dubs with most people now ties. We have made a nice little graphic for patrons that have access to the show docs in order to kind of see what, what kind of utility are you getting from each legend and how might that impact your personal decision, but also your team comp. But more importantly, what we might take away from a graphic like this, and also the game, is Lifeline a requirement in arenas? Or is selecting Lifeline setting you back in a straight 3v3? Because your your value is packed into going on a 3v2. Mm-hmm. It, I think the counter-argument to that is, while yes, there's a lot of value packed into the 3v2, I think there's a lot of value packed into just the small hitbox in the 3v3. And that drone in general right now is a very strong mid-combat ability to keep you healing with that little extra health as you're taking damage. And we're just saying this because she's skyrocketed on pick rate lately. And she's a very, very popular legend 
Do we want to talk about maybe we've already mentioned how we think you should maximize Lifeline. Do you have a sweeping opinion on Lifeline, though? Yeah, I, I think the Lifeline is a necessity. Yes, we're I, in agreement. I pretty with much that. think mm-hmm. that she's needed in every team composition for arenas. I think she's certainly the meta. Um, and now I think I'm okay with it. I think going against the Lifeline is still as frustrating as ever, especially mm-hmm. in arenas. You know, if you trade with somebody and then a Lifeline comes around and gets the res. That's unfortunate. Yes. That's really unfortunate um, because other legends can't do it like she can. Um, so, yeah, I think that she has a lot going for her. We'll get to her strategy uh, here in a few minutes, but I think there's that question open and closed. Next, kind of continuing to build on this idea of what ingredients do you want. Um, you have the economy combination with how are you going to close those rounds? How are you going to get the end circle? Where's that offense coming from? And you have some interesting options that cover both of those bases. Valkyrie can play the eco. She mm-hmm. can grab those crafting materials relatively safely. She also has that offensive tactical and the mobility. Bangalore has the offense. She has the speed. She has concealment. She can play eco. And then you have Gibraltar, who has a lot of offense and can bubble those supplies. Mm-hmm. And so those three legends, that's a simple team comp right there. Yep. And they have a lot of value that is purposefully fit into the most important things for arenas. The eco and the offense. The and versatility. So mm-hmm. It's really, that's a simple one, a little cut and dry. But if you increase your skill a little bit, or you go outside the box a little, your team comp can look completely different. If you go over the hitbox and you go for maybe some speed options, you could have a team comp that looks like Wraith, Loba, Mirage. You're covering a lot of bases there. Yep. You know, you have the hitbox with Wraith, you have the speed for the meds with Loba, and you have the round winning ultimate with Mirage. You're covered. You could also do Watson, hitbox, caustic for that fun little, you know, round winning ultimate. And then Loba. Or a huge popular option is Pathfinder and the versatility of that grapple and the speed coupled with Lifeline and Gibraltar. You've got all your bases covered there too. So I love arenas because you have so many options. But as long as you're thinking about it, and even if you're with randoms, in the Legend Select screen trying to make tactical decisions on do we have our bases covered? It's more important in arenas than it is in BRs, honestly, Mm -hmm. right now, because there is so much less room for error and that any little thing could helpfully help you make the difference between winning and losing. And so making sure you're playing off your teammates, make sure you're playing off of randoms, even if you have to, is going to be something that's going to help you out a lot uh, and up in that win rate in general. Now we're going to go into just a handful of some of our favorite legends and tips on how to play them. First. My girl this season, Valk, use that passive ability for height, use it for evading enemies, repositioning quickly. The tactical is very strong. I recommend buying a second one in the later rounds. I think that it's advisable to do that even over buying grenades. Mm -hmm. And the ultimate is not needed. I've really tried to force it. Yeah, it doesn't work. It's not going to be there. It is tweaked a little different than in the BR. It's faster. But... It's not enough value. You're going to be better off just pushing forward with the jetpack, playing the eco, mm-hmm. and going offense. Yeah. 
Next, we got Bloodhound. We've already talked about him at length. Buy that ultimate as much as you can. That's going to be key for all the reasons we already mentioned. Just in tips for using that ult, scan before you bathe in the Blith. Just makes more sense for getting uh, the most out of your abilities and the most intel for your team. And we're loving these close range, you know, kind of guns with him. Like carry the SMG, carry the pistols, and just kind of try and move fast, cause havoc, and inform the squad. Bloodhound's a favorite. So much power. Gibraltar, I feel that one bubble is enough. Um, I don't think that you should be buying a second one for the mm-hmm. most part. Um, strongly consider budgeting for the ultimate. Um, I recommend doing this by focusing on the G7 early and then in later rounds, sticking with only a common G7 and a blue Spitfire. That alone is going to allow you the budget to get the ultimate. And I think it's going to pay off. I like it. Next, we have Pathfinder. Pathfinder right now is being used in the arenas for his tactical. It's on the higher skill cap of abilities in general, uh, but more so in arenas. The best grapplers can be any team to the meds on pretty much every map, uh, which we would talk about as being a huge benefit in strategy in general. Pathfinder's grapple also lets you close the gap, though, in a high-velocity way when maybe one of your teammates cracks people in a long-range engagement, or you scan someone and then you see someone's isolated, you hit them once, Pathfinder can close that gap faster than anyone else. And Path players are just going to most of the time gravitate towards a versatile weapon selectment that can be used up close, just running and gunning. Or if you really want to get crazy, you could use an outright shotgun in general. I wish I was good with the shotguns and I could do it, but uh, I'm not up there. I can't use the Evo like everyone else right now. <laughs> it's, a, it's a powerful weapon, no doubt. The last legend we wanted to showcase is Lifeline. Her entire kit is quite useful. I think that's why she has you know a little bit of the limelight right now. Avoid the care package unless you see it as a great opportunity for cover on the map. If you're saying If you're looking at the ring and saying, all right, I have a great spot, for this, it's going to provide cover and batteries. Maybe it's worth it. Calling it in off spawn, like we said earlier, just kind of you're sacrificing too much on positioning. You're not saving enough materials for the random blue weapon and two batteries. One tactical is enough, but at only 50 materials, it's totally acceptable to buy a second one yeah. and actually use them to support your team and save syringes and med kits when the going gets tough. Um, I think. If you're going to be Lifeline, you should uh, be playing the supply bins. It's great, but don't stretch your neck out for it. Don't put the Lifeline at the center of your point, uh, you know, making a beeline. She can come in later to get those cells, and it's totally fine. Um, Please don't lead the charge as Lifeline. Mm -hmm. It's a horrible mistake. You really need to be support to be there and to res and cover the res. Lifeline's powerful because she allows your Pathfinder to go out there and get crazy mm-hmm. and do some early damage. Pathfinder can't do that without Lifeline on the team. Like It's such an important support role. Don't throw it away by being Rambo as Lifeline. <laughs> um, in terms of weapons, if you are in the ideal range uh, of kind of medium support, using ARs, LMGs, fantastic. If you are deciding to play into that small hitbox and covering the res, kind of being up there in the fight, um, deploying the passive, using an SMG or a pistol, totally fine. But Lifeline's hitbox is, I think, what is defining her 
more than anything else. But the truth is her whole kit, again, has a lot of value. No doubt. Those are our legend tips for just a handful. And obviously, we could have dove into each and every legend if we wanted to. But I think we picked these ones just because they're the legends we find the two of us kind of playing the most uh, in arenas so far. I'd really like to hear from our audience, though, on maybe who they think is dominating arenas for them uh, as they're either playing them or against, potentially. It's a super, super fun meta. I think that if you don't have Loba, Valk, Mirage unlocked, this is a great time to experiment in arenas. Totally. And arenas are so fun because you get the reps in. It's a wonderful way to learn weapons, to learn legends, although it's a little different than the BR. Um, it's a wonderful place to actually get some practice. I never feel like the firing range is practice no, enough. No, definitely and not. arenas, although it's a total standalone game, which I enjoy, it's a great place to warm up. It's mm-hmm. a great place to hone your skills and say, you know what? I should try the devotion because I never use it. Let me try it without the turbo mm-hmm. to see, do I need it in the BR? It's a really, really great opportunity to pick weapons, pick legends mm-hmm. that you might not otherwise gravitate towards. Yeah. That is kind of going to wrap up our legend recap portion. Uh, we really dove into part one here, talking about just the legend specifically in this mode. It's just interesting and important to note, though, that they just do such a great job of not making the legends feel like they are the overwhelming ability driving force in a 3v3. What so many people were scared of, they did an absolute killer job. Next week, we're going to be coming at you with part two. And don't worry, the legends are so integral in this game. You'll be hearing about some legend strategies still and stuff. So if you didn't get everything you wanted out of this one, don't worry. There's even more exciting information for you coming next week. Anything else to say before we dive into five-star questions? It's a wonderful topic. You'll catch us in arenas without a doubt. And uh, if you're listening on release day, we're playing arenas on Twitch. Yep, yep, no doubt, no doubt. Let's wrap it up now with some five-star questions. First question coming from KBlock. I'm an Xbox player since late season four and started with no FPS experience. I've been listening since your Horizon voice actor interview. I main Valk, Crypto, and Rampart and can't decide between toggle or hold, but still thinking more toggle so I can look around and aim my tactical. One question is if you could make a legend using any passive tactical and ult, what would it be a great podcast? That's a fun question. Excellent question. Little bit on the easier side for me. I would say I want Valk's passive, Gibraltar's tactical, and Bloodhound's ultimate. Man, it's oh, that's such a good combo. Be I didn't think of the Bloodhound meta. ult. I didn't think of the Bloodhound <laughs> ult off the top of my head. I the is it crazy that the first thought I had was the Valk ult? I was I was thinking it's a like game winning ultimate. I there think is it's not so a good. Better, like if you're looking to play strategy mm-hmm. and you're on comms, that's the most powerful broken ultimate in the game. I think I would either be going the Valk passive as well. I also think that Lifeline passive could definitely be considered. But mm-hmm. hear this idea, okay? I think you came up with a great one, so I'm going to go a little bit more go out crazy. of the box, okay? We're going Gibraltar passive, okay? Pathfinder tactical, and then we're going to go with the Bloodhound ult. And I want Watson's hitbox. Okay. 
I, sure. w- I want Gibraltar that's bubble fine. on the Watson that's hitbox. Fine. That's yeah, my I mean, character. That's incredible speed. Did you say a Bloodhound ultimate? I said Bloodhound ult and yeah. Path Grapple. So that's speed. <laughs> that is speed. You're Lightning McQueen out there with that. The question out. is, is do I get more grapples in my ultimate or do I get scans in my ultimate? Holy cow. You're really cheating the system <laughs> with Bloodhound. <laughs> that's the best answer. Bloodhound ult is your choice because... I think you get your three scans. Sure, it's oh, like arenas. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> Next question coming from Fancy Infinity. Hey, guys, just started listening and playing Apex as well. I've been having some problems with close quarter situations and was wondering if you guys had any tips. Thanks. Man, close quarters, it's it's tough. It's no doubt tough. Um, the first thing I'll say is if you are going into close quarters saying, hey, I need to use the EVA, hey, I need to use the PK, hey, I need to use the R99, which are very good close quarter guns, but hard to use. If you tend to be using those, try maybe something a little bit more forgiving. You know, you will occasionally die to someone that is just using the more effective gun at that range. In terms of like game mechanics, though, if you can work on your crouch spamming and your left and right strafing, any mobility to get other people to miss any number of shots is going to help you make the difference in close quarter situations. It's such a wonderful question. I I definitely have a lot to say. A few things would be, if you find yourself in this situation a lot, maybe change up your legend a little bit. Maybe go for a smaller hitbox. Maybe go for a gun shield. Maybe go for a double time. Think about Mm -hmm. it. Um, Also, consider carrying thermite grenades. That draws a line in the sand. Mm -hmm. That really holds people back. You know, if you're in a building and somebody's going to come in with a PK, burn them a little bit like burn, just a little them, just yeah, a little just hold them back and allow for your team to help you out if you're in that situation last thing i'd say in terms of weapons the spitfire doesn't quit mm-hmm. it's going to outperform the r99 Good point. nine out of ten times close quarters it's a sad truth for some that you know covet the r99 mm-hmm. but it's true the hip fire the mag size if you're struggling close quarters that's the way to go. I could give other examples of ARs, but it's the best for the situation. It's going to be so forgiving for you, that Spitfire. Mm-hmm. If you're having trouble and inconsistencies, the forgiveness is just higher on that gun than anyone else in the game right now. It takes three, four seconds to unload a mag. Mm-hmm. It takes less than a second to unload an R9 mag. So you're just going to be able to keep firing mm-hmm. and follow them with your stick or with your yeah, mouse. Yeah, yeah. So. It's really forgiving. Last question coming from Good Gamer 372 Best Pod, would you guys consider having an episode dedicated to playing on controller with controller pros such as Floating Koala or Tim Pro Vision in the future? Because Apex Legends is such a fun game to play on controller. Maybe you could touch on which guns aim assist is most advantageous on. Anyways, great pod. Keep it up. You're great. Certainly a good idea. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much for the review. Um, yeah. We'll put it on the list. I think that it's it's tough for us Mm -hmm. because the majority of our audience is on console, to our knowledge, but we don't want to alienate people that are on mouse and key. And to be honest, we don't like to divide Apex player base Mm -hmm. because we have cross-play. We play on PC also with controllers, so... We're definitely capable of talking about this, Mm -hmm. but we don't try to divide, and the truth is... We think that there's not a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Like we don't think there's a whole lot of, oh, I, I'm on mouse and key. I should switch to controller because it has these benefits. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily see that. Yeah. So 
I think it's a good idea. We'll put it on the list. I'm trying to brainstorm. Like what? we talked I'm, with Team Amosis yeah, on the show. I'm just thinking of like really, if there's a better way for us to get that content to someone where we're not alienating people. Maybe uh just theoretical question. It hasn't been approved by the other uh, co-host over here, Henry, but maybe we'll uh, do like a sub goal or something for maybe like a quick little bonus episode. Because I could also see us being able to give you a good guide in our opinions in like 15, 20 minutes probably. And yeah, the yeah, I think that's a good idea. And we could even set up something on Twitch where yeah, yeah, yeah. we could just do a video. We could record it live, but we could do kind of a guide mm-hmm. for controller. And put it on YouTube. And talk maybe. about it. And even do firing range stuff in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And put it on YouTube, put it on Twitch. Good More question. Visual. Good it's question. A visual topic. You might get a visual answer. You got us thinking. You got us thinking. That was a great question. Everyone, thank you so much for listening. Uh, part two next week. First time we've done a part one, part two. This is really fun. I'm excited. Big deal. Yeah. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Pods. Give us a follow on Spotify. Leave a five star review with your question. We'll answer on our next episode. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Third Party Pod. Follow us on Twitch, Third Party Pod, and check out the Discord via the link in the description. Thank you so much for listening to the Third Party Podcast. Catch you next time. Peace. Hey now, another squad coming in. Boom! Whole squad down. Hey, brother, not today. Maybe tomorrow.